Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Hebrews 11 chapter uh, verse 31, it says this. It says, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute. Yeah, you heard me say that. I said prostitute. I did. Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Say it again. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. We're continuing our series on Hello World, and today I want to talk about a subject. You might want to uh, make sure that you got the right people in the room, but today's topic is called For Mature Audiences Only. For mature audiences. So make sure that everybody around the room is ready for this message today. For mature audiences only. Um, anybody who knows me, and most of you do, uh, you feel like you do, but most of us do. Uh, most of you do. Um, I love movies. Um, I will venture to say that even in this uh, time that we're in and this season that we're in, I have not been a binger of movies. I, I will say that. I will confess. I, I haven't been a binger. I've watched some things, uh, but I have tried to keep up my regimen that I normally have, um, whether that's books or, you know, some of us who are, are home working, um, different things. I'm still doing uh, some of the things I would normally be doing, uh, but I'm just not um, binging or doing those types of things. But I do love movies. Most of you who know me can really, really point out the movies uh, that I really like. And I won't get into them because I made a ballad. I'm not going to keep um, making references to the same movies. So I'm going to not do that. I'm going to upgrade my movie uh, quotes this year. That's my that's my vow. I'm gonna up, up, upgrade. But I am not ashamed, though. But I'm ashamed, though, to confess and say that even though I love movies, all the movies that I watch, um, are not PG. Don't tell anybody. All the movies I watch are not G or PG-13. Um, sometimes I watch the movies that when I watch them, um, it sometimes uh, has something that comes up on the movies. Now, and I do watch spiritual programming too, just like you. I do watch spiritual programming and I do believe in it. I just don't always, uh, it doesn't always get on my screen immediately, but sometimes I watch movies and, and when I watch them, it'll say something like, for mature audiences only. And when it says for mature audiences, it's really saying that there will be some content or some subjects that might be in this movie um, that minors don't need to watch. And some people, you need to clear the room to make sure that the people that are hearing it um, are um, ready to receive or to watch this type of content. And that's what it basically says when it says mature audiences. Um, and when I think about this series, 
And though this series is not going to be, I, I want to preface it uh, so that you don't get nervous and start clutching your pearls. It, it's not that type of message, but I've been thinking um, and my mind's been really plagued with the thought. And I've been thinking over and over again and I've been asking the Lord and I've been just thinking and asking, does everybody get it? Over and over again, I've just been asking myself the same question like, does everybody really get this message? Not just this I'm talking about today, but this series, what time we're in, what opportunity we have before us. Does everybody get it? And I, I'm asking myself that question. And you know how you're in a classroom setting and uh, you're wondering, everybody's hearing the same information, but everybody's receiving it differently. And you, you're really wanting to be like, do you get it? Have you ever walked out of a room or you walked out of everybody's heard the same thing, but everybody walked out with their own different um, versions of it? And sometimes even when we're ministering the word and even when we're bringing it to you, um, our intent is to bring it to you according to how God gave it to us. But we also understand that many of you are going to receive it in many different ways. But I want to make sure that as you're receiving it in many different ways and many different uh, interpretations that you're receiving according to the context of your own life, that we don't dilute it. To, to dilute it to the sense that we're not accountable to what we're hearing, that we don't dilute it to the sense that we're just like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. OK, that was good. I've tuned in. I've logged off. I gave and that was it. That was cute. We don't want to do that. We want to make sure that if whatever it is that we're hearing, that we're also saying, all right, what does that mean for me? And I'm really realizing that when it comes to um, the gospel and when it comes to really sharing our faith, it requires a mature audience to be able to really say that the gospel is for everyone. Because many of us say that the gospel is for everyone. I've said it. You've said it. Your mama said it. Your daddy said it. Everybody said the gospel is for everyone. But I really wonder when we say everyone, do we really mean everyone? And I know before you log off, I, we say, yeah, I mean everyone. But do we sometimes have an exclusivity? Do we have a certain elite people or group? And I'm not just talking about their economic status or their titles in the, in the community or any of those type of things. Do, but do we sometimes, are we only comfortable with the, only a certain type of people getting saved? Are only a certain type of people being used by God? Only a certain type of people being able to enter in? And I'm really wondering about that because as we are introducing ourselves, in a sense, in some sense, as many some people have we have uh, sometimes a, a larger audience or people are, are are more connected now than we've been connected many times before and, and sometimes in some sense we're being reintroduced or introducing ourselves to our friends our neighbors our co-workers and stuff in a way that we might not have before and may have shied behind before and sometimes when we start to really get to know the people that we say we're going to witness to, sometimes what we see, we say, oh, no, I don't know if I, I don't know if <laughs> they should be one of God's people. I don't really know if they should be saved. And, and we and it sounds so bad because oftentimes our judgment is sometimes that bad. 
And I think of the scripture that it talks about in 2 Peter, the third chapter in verse 9, uh, where Jesus said, or the scripture says, and Paul was writing, he says, the Lord is not slow. Uh, one version said the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Uh, we oftentimes misquote that and use that and attach that to our visions, our dreams, our goals, and different things that God has placed in us. And we say, you know, he's not slack. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. We do all these different things according to making it personal. But this scripture, when it says that the Lord is not slack, he's not slow concerning his promise. And it goes on to say, as some count, one version says slackness, one, this version says, as some count slowness. But he says, but he is patient toward you. Can you look at yourself right now and say towards me? Uh, I might not be patient towards other people. But I'm so grateful that the Lord is patient towards me. Can we just take one second, just about 60 seconds right there and give God a praise for the patience that he extends towards you. I know we want to talk about our teenagers and talk about our cousins and talk about everybody else who's getting on our nerves right now. But let's insert ourselves into the scripture and let's think about how many times we've gotten on God's nerves. Can I say what? Can I say who? Can we think about all the times that we have pouted and thrown tantrums, the many things things that we wanted God to do that he did not do the way we wanted him to do and we did all these types of things and slandering that we have done not always towards God but sometimes towards his people but the Lord is patient say it again towards me if you don't give God glory for anything else I'm trying to teach you more ways to give God praise say Lord thank you for being patient towards me that you could have allowed last night to have been my last night on this earth but you gave me another chance you did not destroy me. Thank you for giving me patience. Thank you for patience that you have towards me. It says the Lord is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but that all should come or reach repentance. Repentance, as we know many times, is not just turning around and turning around in the same thing, but it's turning around and going a different direction. That's what repentance is, that when the Lord deals with me or when he changes me, he doesn't just change me to turn me to go in the same direction, but he changes me to go in a different direction. Can you thank God for the times that he changed you, even when you didn't want to be changed your so even when you didn't want to relinquish your rights, even when you didn't want to let go of it, God did something on the inside of you. And before you knew it, you were going in a different direction than you had originally planned. That is the patience of the Lord. That is how the Lord pursues us and comes after us. Now, even when we're not thinking about him, he is patient. He already knows a thousand years is as one day to the Lord. And even though we look at uh, one, we look at a thousand years like a long time, the Lord is saying, oh, no. You're right on time, right on schedule. That was supposed to happen. That thing that happened right there, that was supposed to happen. That was on schedule because all of these things are designed. I have a whole plan. Glory to God. I have a whole plan that is designed to get you right to me and get you right where I need you to be. That's what it says that the Lord, when it comes to salvation, that the Lord is not looking at that drunk or the Lord is not looking at that person who's uh, scrolling on uh, sites that they shouldn't be on. The Lord is not looking past that person who has a mouth like a sailor and saying, oh, they can never be used. The Lord is saying once they get to the point that they get desperate enough and they're tired of themselves, I got a plan. I got a purpose. I know exactly where they're supposed 
supposed to be. I know exactly where I happen to be. The Lord is patient. The Lord is long-suffering. Can you take a moment and think about how long it might have taken you for you to get where you are right now? How long it might have taken for you to surrender? How long it might have taken for you to finally step away and say, I'm not doing it. I'm through. I'm finished. I'm giving it. I'm surrendering. I'm giving it all to God. It didn't start. You weren't born like that. We weren't born like this. And I know for some of us who gave our life to Christ uh, through confession at eight or nine or six or seven because we went to revival or because we were at a service and everybody, all the children in the children's church got saved and everybody came up and, and everybody, we didn't want to be left out. So we came up to and said, hey, hey, I want to get saved too. And, and then we all got to go out to Golden Corral together. Doesn't that sound good? We all got to go out to eat together. and We got to celebrate that we all got saved together. And then we all got baptized together. Take me to the water. Everybody did everything together and we were so excited about it. But can you really testify that just because you might have made a confession at eight, when did that thing really snatch your soul? When did that thing really get down inside of you where you start saying that it is moved from confession to something I have now been conformed into the image of Christ. Now I'm no longer just talking about it. Now I'm trying to be about it and I'm trying to line myself up with Christ. That might have happened at 18. might have happened at 25. Now for some of you who you're so angelic, you actually, when you did it at 8 years old, you've not turned back and you're walking around with a nun outfit on. Congratulations. But for the rest of us, some of us made a confession, but it didn't match up till later on. Our confession didn't connect with our life until later on. That is the patience of the Lord. That is the kindness of the Lord. That is the love of the Lord that he so looks beyond my mistakes that he sees that there's something deeper inside of my mistakes that says even though you make the mistake you are not the mistake that you made. You are not the thing that you have done. There is love that's going to draw you back to right standing with me somebody give God glory in the room so when I think about that I think about that as it relates to do we really love everybody and have patience with everybody like we say we do because if we really did then maybe we wouldn't be so quick to cast judgment or to push everybody aside so when I think about this scripture when we look at this scripture today in Hebrews, and I'm going to go to another scripture to build this case, we see this woman. Um, this is somebody that, to be honest, we wouldn't put her up for testimony service. Like, this is not somebody that we would add to our worship team. This is not somebody that we would allow to be on our, our parking lot and working with our children and this is not somebody that we would, you know, put on our list. This is not somebody that we would invite to our Zoom conferences as a guest. But this somebody made it to the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11 is what is known as the Hall of Faith, like um, Abraham believed God in this and Sarah believed God and this person believed God and all these different things. And in the midst of all these Joseph and, and Jacob and all these people, and then all of a sudden it says Rahab, a prostitute. Wait a minute. What? 
the red light district is in Hebrews 11. Was it going down like that back then? What? The Bible just got real. Here we look at this scripture and we don't find Rahab the prophetess. It doesn't say Rahab the bishop. It doesn't say Rahab the elder. It doesn't say Rahab the deaconess. It doesn't say Rahab the missionary. It doesn't say Rahab uh, any of that tent revivalists. It doesn't say anything. It says Rahab the pro, the, 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 the I know it's hard for the sanctified to say this. Rahab the loose woman. <laughs> Rahab the prostitute. What does it mean to be a prostitute? I don't have time to tell you that. If you don't know it, Google it. She was loose. She was not faithful. <laughs> she had many people that came by to visit and they weren't coming by for dinner. Here it is in Rahab. It says Rahab was a prostitute, but she made it into the hall of faith. Into Hebrews, the 11th chapter, somebody that we would not have welcomed. And I know we say, oh, yes, we would have. Would you? <laughs> would we have been as extended of grace to somebody that we know? Because, because evidently she was known by her works and not even her works was more than even her name. It said Rahab the prostitute, that her name was associated with what she did. There are a group of people that you're connected to, a group of people that I'm connected to, a group of people that we know that are associated by what they do, that you cannot even say their name without mentioning what they do and what they're associated with. But I want to talk to everybody who you've been defined by what you do, by, by everybody uh, that's around you, by everybody who calls you. And they say so-and-so the one with the attitude so-and-so the one who acts like that so-and-so who can't keep a job so-and-so who can't keep a man so-and-so who can't keep a relationship so-and-so who can't keep a job so-and-so who can't keep money all, all these different things that you have been defined by I want to tell you you are not what defines you you are more than what has defined you just because they define you like that does not mean that through the lens of heaven that he looks at you like that and I want to talk to you today I want to talk to mature audience today if you're mature go ahead and put in the comment section I'm ready for it I'm ready for it go ahead put in the comment section say I'm ready I want to see you go ahead and say I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready if you're a part of the mature audience I want to make sure that if we're really going to to minister and share this gospel with the people and we're going to be able to reach them in order for us to reach them effectively it's going to require a greater level of maturity and when we look at this at this particular scripture and we look at hebrew let's go to the back end to be able to find us walk up to hebrews 11 joshua the second chapter First, going, going backwards, we go to Joshua, the first chapter, we find out that uh, Joshua's mentor, Moses, had died. And when Moses' mentor died, um, Joshua got instruction to rise up. He said, rise up. I want you to take these people. Your servant is dead. Rise up. Take these people. Go over into the land that I promised you. Uh, tells them to be strong. Be of good courage. Keeps telling them, be strong. Be of good courage. Says again, have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be of good courage. He goes on through that all in chapter one. It's the same thing. And he talks to them about the land that they would have. So in verse two, in chapter two, we get here and it says, and Joshua 
rose up. He had two men secretly. Verse two, uh, verse one of chapter two. He has two men secretly. The notes on your Bible version. I want you to know that all the notes are there. So you go there. So I don't want you to uh, hear anything I'm reading. Like, where is that note? All the notes are in the uh, version Bible app. So I want you to know that. But in verse one, and he says, and Joshua had two spies that he had to rise up from Shittim and say, he said, I want you to go view the land, especially Jericho. That's the first place. It was the first place that they were going to pursue. Um, they were going to go to this piece to go to a place, Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab. Now, Rahab. Now, this is what is important to me and what I don't want you to overlook this. In verse chapter one, he got the, the call or the word from the Lord that he had a promise. That the Lord had his, his mentor, Moses had died. The one who he had learned under had died. He said, but I've got a promise to you. I want you to rise up and go into this land that I'm going to show you. And you're going to get to that land. But what is interesting is that before he gets the promise, he prepares for it by creating a plan. Before he pursues the promise, he creates a plan. And I want to say that to many of you all who you see the promise on the horizon, whatever it is that promise is, whatever it is that you see that the Lord has placed before you, whatever it is you've seen in visions, whatever it is that the Lord is really dealing with you about, whatever is really clear, whatever it is, create a plan first. Like, don't just walk right into it and waltz right into it without a plan. That's what Joshua teaches us. That's why he sent spies. He said, I got a plan before we enter in. I've got before we enter in, before we go and overtake, before we go and do whatever, I want just to, to pursue, I want to, before we pursue, let's make sure we have a plan. So a part of his plan, a part of his strategy was to make sure that he had people, that he sent some spies into the land just to make sure. And let me tell you this, sometimes you don't need to make announcements before you get there. Sometimes before you post it, think about it, process it. Get your emotions out of it because sometimes we're trying to post for people to get accolades and trying to get someone to support something that the Lord has given us. But you can't hand, you can't hand over a wealthy idea to a broke mindset. <laughs> you cannot. If, if you have a wealthy idea that God has given you or shown you and you're sharing it with someone who doesn't even have a dream of taking a shower that day, you are wasting your day. You're wasting your time. Sometimes it's best for you to plan in private, plan secretly. Don't say anything. But to you and God, if you have to have some accountability partners, do that. But keep it to yourself so that you don't waste what it is that God has given you on people who don't even have a vision for whatever it is you have a vision for. So Joshua sent, in this good? Joshua sent spies into the land and when he sent spies into the land, he sent them so that we could see what angle do we need to go in this city? What angle should we take? What, what angles? Let me, let me see. How difficult will it be for us to overtake this city? What things are there before us that we might need to, this leadership principle, what thing do we need to do so that we don't get there and get too much too fast? That we don't get in there and get overwhelmed by it, that we're, we're prepared for it. So that's what he sent the spies for. But the interesting thing is that when he sent the spies, the first house they went to, I don't know if there was other houses they passed, but we know according to scripture that the house they went to was the house of a prostitute named Rahab, the men of God. Glory to the Lamb, the men of God, the, one, the, the men who were spies, the men who were part of the 
Israelites, God's chosen people. These people, uh, they were there. They were, they, were, they were of the tribe of Israel. And here it is, these men of God, these men of God, they went into the city and the first house they went to was the prostitute's house. Glory to the Lamb of God. They went to the prostitute's house. And what is interesting to me and what the Lord spoke to me, if you're going to be mature, are y'all ready for this? <laughs> are you ready? The first thing, if you're going to be a mature audience, is you've got to know that sometimes your mission will matter more than your method. The mission will matter more than the method. Because if we get so connected to the method, we'll say, I ain't going there. That's not the house I'm going to. I'm not associating with them. I'm not going to be around that type of way. No, that ain't what I'm going to do. Because that's what we've not done before. And that's how we've not done it. So I can't change it because I'm, I'm, I'm connected to what we've always done. And I heard uh, Bishop uh, Paul S. Morton, uh, uh, founder of the Full Gospel Baptist Church, he said one time that often if you're not careful that tradition is frozen success if you're not careful you will freeze what used to work you will freeze what used to thrive and what used to work. And there are many of us right now, leaders and people that are around that are listening, we are mourning what used to be successful. But right now we're in a season that you have to find out what matters more, the method that we used to use or the mission. What is the mission? As far as Growth Point is concerned, our mission is to lead and connect lives to Jesus at every point. At the prostitute point, in the street point, in the face point, in the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever we got to do. Our mission has not changed, even if the method has to change. And some of you and all of us that are listening, all of us are being challenged on different angles. Whether you're in the economic community, whether you're in the entrepreneurship whether you're in religious community, whether you're in the educational community, whether you're in your family dynamic, all of us are being checked or being challenged by changing a method and have to look at it and say, what's more important? Is the method that important? Is because that used to work like that? Or is the mission? Because if you get so tired and passionate about the mission, the mission will always give you a new method. These men, these men could have went to anybody's house. They could have went to somebody's house. They were just praying all day long. But for some reason, they were led, their method, their mission led them to a harlot's house, to a prostitute's house. And they got there. And when they got there, it says, it was interesting. When they got there, it says, verse 2 says, and then there was a, a mass message that went out around the land. And the message went out. In verse 2, it says that they found out that there was some spies there from the community from the Israelites community that they came to spy out the land and, and the king of Jericho sent some uh, men there to her house and they said I want you to go and bring out these people uh, that are not supposed to be here. Um, I don't know how why they had uh, dibs on our house, why they knew who would be in and out of our house. I don't know but sometimes messy people are like that. They know what's going on in your house more than they are able to talk about what's going on in their house. You didn't ask for that but I just gave you that for free. But I don't whatever reason they knew what was going on in her house and so they brought and they said hey somebody came in here that wasn't normally in here and bring these men out and it says that she goes on and tells this story in in chapter 2 of verse 3 through 7 I'm just going to paraphrase and it says that she talks and she says yes there were some men that came here but I didn't really know where they came from but before the gate closed because there was 
uh, oriental gates that were closed at a certain time during the night around sunset. They said before the gate closed, they went out without anybody even noticing them. And they went up to the hill and, and they have hid there. And that's where they are. Um, they, and she said, I, I don't know where these men are. So she said, if you, if, if, if you still have time enough to go pursue them right now, go find them, go look for them. So they, these men went to go look for them. And then she came up. Uh, what was interesting is that it says she came up to the top of the house. It was an eastern uh, type of house. And, and she uh, Eastern culture. She went up to the top of the house and she had hid them under some flax. Some flax were um, a type of vegetable uh, that you would use and they would put on top of the house and they would allow the sun to dry them and they would just basically span out on top of the house and then they would take them up. But so they were big enough to hide men. So she took them on top of the house and she hid them under the flax just in case these men came in. But according to the culture of that time, they respected even though they knew what was in her house, Eastern culture uh, caused them to respect her house not to invade it. Even though they knew what was in her house, they didn't walk in because they respected. How is it that even though you know what's in my house, you respected enough not to walk in it? <laughs> Lord Jesus. They they respected, they talked about her in the streets, but respected it enough not to walk in it. You know, that reminds me of sometimes there's some people who will say all types of things when you're not around, but when you come around, they respect you enough not to say that in front of your face. That's what I imagine what was happening. They respected her enough to say, I'm not going to disrespect you in your own house. So they didn't go up there. So she was able to hide the men. Uh, it was interesting to me that she did that because she was was used to having men in her house but there was something about these men that said I'm not going to treat these men like I treat the other men I'm going to take these men and I'm going to hide these men and make sure that even when someone tries to obtain information from them or try to take them out of their mission or what it is that they're called to do I'm going to hide them what is it about us that people might know certain things about us and certain humanity and things of weaknesses about us. But they say, but there's still something on you <laughs> that causes me to cover you. <laughs> there's something about you that causes me not to expose you like I might have exposed somebody else. There is something about your life that says you need to be covered. So this woman looked beyond them as just regular men. And she said, no, there's something different about them. And we find out. In verse 8 of chapter 2, those of you just coming in, just uh, verse 8 of chapter 2, it says, Before, while the men, uh, while they were laying down, she came up to the roof after these men, after these men had left. And she said to them, she said, you know what? Let me tell you why I hid you. This is important. She said, let me tell you why I hid you. I hid you because, uh, she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. <laughs> I know that the Lord has given you this land and the fear of you has fallen upon us and, and all that the inhabitants, everybody around us, all of us know that this land is yours. Verse 10 says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water, basically how he brought you out of Egypt. We've heard how you all came over on dry land. We heard how all the different people that tried to come up on you were destroyed. We heard all this stuff. And verse 11 says, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and we realized that there was no God like your God in both heaven and all the earth. Did you hear what she just said? Let me rewind that. I've heard about your God. 
She didn't say I claimed him as mine yet, but she said, I heard about glory, glory, glory. She said, I heard about your God. I heard about what he did. We all heard about how you came out of Egypt. You came out of bondage. You walked through things that were supposed to kill you. People pursued you, but they drowned it and you did not. I've seen how you have overcome things and there's something about your testimony that we that, that it, it did something to us. It, it melted our hearts and this is what is important. This is why I want to say this because, this, because we looked at the woman as just a prostitute, but the word was already there. Glory. The word was already already there before the spies got to her house. Why is that important? Because the second point I feel Jesus in my soul. This second point of the mature audience is that you've got to know that the message predates the mess. The message predates the mess. What is predates? That the message was sent before my mess. It means that even though this woman, hallelujah, even though this woman was a prostitute and this woman was known as a harlot, but before these men got to her house, the word of God, the word was already working on her. The word was already working on her family. The word had already met her ear, had already touched her heart and touched her ears in such a way that her heart was already melted inside of her. Listen here right now. The woman had heard about the things that they had overcome, the things that they had come over, the things that they had come through, the things that they had survived. And it was enough for her to be curious, to be able to say, what is it about this God that you serve that no matter what you go through, you keep coming out of it? I want to tell somebody who's listening to me right now that there are some people right now now who may be so-and-so who is this so-and-so who acts like this so-and-so who's always been like this but let me tell you even though you don't think they're watching they are looking at you and they are watching you and they are seeing how you keep coming back and how you keep bouncing back and how you keep overcoming and how you keep rising above things. It doesn't mean you're not going through what they're going through. It doesn't mean that you're not tested in the things that they're tested with. It doesn't mean that you're not going through this season like they're going through this season. But they're trying to figure out. There's an old song we used to sing and we used to sing the song, After All I've Been Through. I still have joy. And they're trying to figure out how can you have joy? Glory. Yeah, glory. How can you have joy in the midst of sorrow? How can you have joy in the midst of layoffs? How can you have joy in the list of furloughs? And how can you have joy in the midst of pain? And how can you have joy in the midst of people dying all around you and not being able to memorialize them and come together in large gatherings to be able to celebrate as you would like to how can you have joy and I'm telling you Rahab is watching you Rahab is connected to you and Rahab's watching and they're saying I've heard about what you've gone through I've seen 
seen your tears and I saw how you woke up the next day and you dusted yourself off and you got up and you said I'm going to try it one more time. What is it about that God that causes you to be able to get up and try him again? I've heard about your Jesus and there's something about your God that makes me curious. There's something about you that makes me want to cover you and want to be connected to you. There's a Rahab who's watching. There's a Rahab who is connected to you. Glory to the Lamb. They're watching and the message, the word, the things that God has done in your life has predated their mess. You're missing. We're missing an opportunity sometimes because we can't wait to talk to them about their mess. But them, those who might be in a mess, those who might be in a mess can't wait to talk about the miracle that you have survived and the miracle that you have come through and the miracle that you are you might be focused on the prostitution but they're talking about can you tell me about my purpose can you tell me about how God can take me out of what I'm in because I've seen him do it for you and I believe that the same God who did it for you is the same God who can do it for me clap your hands all over the building there's nobody in here but I'm just imagining that you all are in here with me Romans the 10th chapter number 17 says this hallelujah Woo! glory yeah, glory Romans 10 chapter verse 17 says so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God I'm saying to you right now, if you're going to be really mature and be a really mature audience, speak the word. Keep speaking the word. The word is working when you don't think it's working. The word is moving when you don't think the word is moving. The gospel is being preached and reached and there are people. Now, there was a lady one time and I'm almost through. There's this lady um, who's, who uh, years ago she joined our church and, and she connected, connected to this ministry. And I remember when she came here and uh, we were talking about some different things. And I was telling her we have YouTube and podcasts and stuff like that. She said, oh, yeah, I watched every message already. I say, every one of them? She said, I went to YouTube and I typed in. I watched every last one of them. I said, a whole lot of them. She said, I've been through all of them because I wanted to know what I was stepping into. Let me tell you something. That just because you don't see somebody streaming right now, just because you don't see them watching with you right now, does not mean that the message and the word is not reaching them. I want you to say right now, keep speaking it. Keep speaking it. Put it down in the comment section. Keep speaking it. Keep speaking it. Go. Let me go on. Verse 17 says so after that um, after she uh, glory calm myself down after says after that happened um, she said that to the men I've, I've seen I've, because of what I've seen something's working on inside of me and she goes on and she says because of what I've done because I've covered you uh, because I hid you because I didn't expose you uh, because I didn't allow them to come in and snatch you out and make them captive and, and spoil your whole plan and, and spoil what you all your mission that you had intended because of that uh, she said I'm asking you a question she said I'm saying will you make sure uh, that my entire household is saved uh, can you make sure that I, my, my, my father, my mother, uh, my sisters, everybody is saved that when you all come in to take all this land, can you make sure that, that we get spared from that? And they go on and they say to her, they said, of course. They said in verse around verse 17, they says, yes, we will, we will make this swear to you. We will make this oath, this oath. And they say in verse 18, 
when we come back to this land, because uh, she dry, says she drops them down from her window because her house was on the wall. Um, and she, she lowered them down through the window, lowered them down on the wall. She lowered them down on a, ro on a, on a rope, lowered them down on a rope. And they said this, you should tie a scarlet, um, scarlet uh, thread or, or make sure you, uh, this cord, make sure that you tie this around your window. So when we come back to destroy this area, that when we see this scarlet, whoo, glory, when we see this scarlet cord, when we see it, um, that we will not touch it and we will, we will destroy everything but your house. Did you just hear that they just made an oath to a prostitute? Lord, I'm telling you, I will baptize myself. Do you know that she, they, they made sure that she said, they said, when we come back to this house, when we come back to this place, when we see this cord, now you have, those of you who don't know what scarlet is, scarlet is red. When we see this scarlet, when we saw this scarlet rope, when we see that on your window, we will pass by. And she said, and they said, now make sure that you don't tell anybody our plans and you don't do anything. And I want to make sure that you, you don't tell anybody, don't, don't, don't spoil our plans. But, but when we come back, because we will come back not long from now, when we come back, glory, I feel Jesus. When we come back, when we see that scarlet, we will pass over your house and your whole household will be spared. Why is that important? The last thing, and I want to tell you, I'm going to get out of here. This why it's important is because if you're going to be mature, you have to know that the last thing is that mercy is always married to ministry. Mercy is always married to ministry. What is mercy? It is another chance. Glory. It is another opportunity that you don't get what you deserve. Can you take a moment right now, wherever you are, can you thank God that mercy said no? It's not that we did not deserve punishment. It's not that we did not deserve condemnation. It's not that we did not deserve to lose our life. But when mercy came into our life, it canceled out every assignment of the enemy enemy. That mercy is always connected to ministry, which means a Mary's ministry. Mary's means it's in covenant with each other. You cannot have a ministry that does not have mercy. If you don't have a ministry that is drenched with the mercy of God, you don't have a ministry. You have a misery. We don't take opportunities to make people's life miserable where they are. We take every opportunity that we get to introduce mercy. And mercy has a name. And the name of mercy is Jesus. Every time when they came back to destroy the city, when they saw that red scarlet, which is representative, which is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. They said that when we come back to take over this city, when Jesus comes back, because I don't know if you know it, but there's going to come a sound. There's going to come a trumpet and the sky is going to open up and the dead in Christ shall rise. And we who are alive and shall remain, if my daddy were here, 
here, he would start jumping around the stage right now and he would say, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. But let me tell you something. The people that are going to be spared are going to be the people who have been to have the blood of Jesus Christ on their life and they have given their hearts and their lives to Jesus. This prostitute made a confession of faith and said something about your God came into my life. She made a confession. You missed it when she said there was something about your God that did something to me. And based on that, mercy responded and said, if you're going to confess, mercy's going to respond. And when mercy responded, he says, when we when we destroy everything else, we will not destroy you or your family because of the covenant, because of the oath that we have made. Mercy is always married. And I want to caution you here. And I want to tell you this for those of you who might be on the side of how did they, how did they give her mercy? Because Galatians 6 chapter verse 1 says, brothers or sisters, if any of you are caught up in any transgression, if you are, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. If anybody should have mercy, it should be us. Why? Because you have to keep watch over yourself lest you also, meaning you have to make sure that before you cast judgment, remember you. Remember yourself. You might not have been a prostitute. You might not have been jumping from house to house or thing to thing. But what was it that he spared you from? <laughs> what is it that you got delivered from? What is it that you survived that if everybody knew it, they might, they, might, they might throw you off and might cut you off. But for some reason, when he saw the blood, he said, I'll cover that thing, cover that thing. I'm through. Here it is. It says, and now this is why it's important, because in Joshua, the sixth chapter, verse 25, it says that when they came back to this house, they came back to this place. They did exactly what they said they would do. And when they saw that, Joshua said, don't touch her house. Joshua was a form of Christ. He says, when everything else is destroyed, don't destroy that woman's house. Because she did something. <laughs> she did something in faith that she might not have even understood at the time. But there was something about her faith connection. There was something about her faith confession that that calls uh, calls the blood calls heaven to respond and say oh don't don't touch her uh, she's not what she did <laughs> she's not what she's connected to John three sixteen says for God so loved Rahab God so loved you he loved everybody that's connected that he so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever Rahab everybody whoever believed in him would not perish but would have everlasting life in this verse 17 we don't often quote this part here it says here it says for God did not send his own son into the world to condemn it but that the world through him might be saved her, her household was saved do you hear me Rahab not only was Rahab saved but a whole house was saved she might have started out a prostitute when they found her. That was her, her name. That was her on a business card. That was what she was connected with. I don't know. But by the ending of the book, <laughs> glory. By the end of the book in Hebrews 11, that prostitute made it to the hall of faith. That same person 
who was known by what she did was now known by what she produced because that same prostitute was also connected to the lineage of Jesus. So-and-so begot so-and-so, who begot uh, uh, Boaz, who begot Jesse, and it just goes on, begot David, who birthed Jesus. So before you celebrate Jesus all the way, we want to celebrate him, but celebrate that Jesus loves Rahab. Celebrate that Jesus loves prostitutes. That Jesus loves messed up people. Celebrate that Jesus loves people who don't have it all together. We used to sing a song, I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Be grateful that you are the ones, one of the ones that Jesus loved. That's messed up. I'm talking about the whole town knew. The whole town knew what she was. But there was something about the maturity of the gospel. That it defies odds, that it goes against the grain, it goes against what we would normally do and say, oh, I love them too. I want to um, pray for everybody right now that you're one of those too that he loves. And maybe you got so caught up in what's going on that you just thought that he didn't. But I want you to know that Satan might have had you bound. But Jesus. He lifted you. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I was known as, and then I want you to fill in the blank. I was known as whatever. But I'm so grateful that in spite of what I was known as, you saw me as what I could be. So I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. And I'm saying right now, I believe, like Rahab, that you died that I might have life. And you got up that I might have victory. Come into this messed up life. Make me yours. I confess my wrong. I'm ready to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe you prayed that prayer and you got born again. I do. I'm so glad that Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me. If he didn't love me, I wouldn't even be. I'm telling you, I'm just as messed up as you are, as you are without the grace of God. I can't even boast in my own doing. Oh, no. Please. I scared to say, child, please. Without his grace, I'm a mess. Hear me when I say we all need it. And because of his grace, we are the ones who get to tell other people, if it weren't for that scarlet rope, if it weren't for that blood, I would have perished like everybody else. So let's thank God for all of you, the rest of you. Let's, let's be mature about spreading the gospel. Hello world. Jesus is coming and he's coming for you. No matter where you are, no matter where you're in, no matter what you're experiencing, he loves you. Hold up your head.
square your shoulders. Know that Jesus loves you. I'm so grateful that you tuned into this message today. I hope that it ministered to you and I hope that you are encouraged knowing that Jesus loves you. There's no greater love, no greater love than the love of Christ. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning to this message. Um, be blessed this week. Be encouraged this week knowing that God loves you. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.